It's nearly Christmas and that statement can either make you cheer, woohoo, or boo. Christmas is a time when our clients usually shut up shop. We can start getting anxious as we don't have work lined up. We can enjoy some much needed time off ourselves or we can use the time to work on our business. In this special Christmas episode of the Hot Copy Podcast, Kate and I are digging into how we survive Christmas and answering some questions from you. Hello and welcome to the Hot Copy Podcast, a podcast for copywriters all about copywriting. My name is Belinda Weaver. I'm a copywriter. My business is Copyright Matters and that's where you can find all sorts of courses, coaching and content. And with me, of course, is the elf-like Kate Toon. Hello, my name is Kate Toon. I too am a copywriter and I run the Clever Copywriting School, a membership and directory and shop site where there are courses and other stuff and it's fabulous. Happy Christmas, Belinda. (laughs) Happy Christmas to you. I think this is going to be super fun. And for anyone listening to the podcast version of today episodes, we want to explain what we're doing here. We're actually streaming this out to Facebook right now. Um, So there's likely to be some interesting diversions. We're going to be taking questions as we go. We're going to be checking Facebook. It's probably going to be a shambles, but we're going to figure it out. So first question for you, Kate, how do you feel about Christmas? I am just so tired. I I, I found found a whole new level of tired underneath the level that I already have experienced. So I'm exhausted. I'm actually heading to the UK for Christmas, which is very exciting to see my mum and dad and family. So it's been a bit weird because we haven't done any of the Christmas preamble. We don't have a tree. We don't have any decorations up because we're going to be going over there and my mum's going to be doing every. My mum is making Christmas dinner and I have to make it. I love it. Yeah, which is exciting, but it's a bit daunting as well. It's always a bit scary going away for a long time and all the admin that goes with that. But yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm tired exhausted but looking forward to going home what about you i think we're in exactly the same place what is very funny is that i'm flying to australia just as you are flying to england bad timing it's ridiculous but i too i'm i'm just i like a sloth crawling across the floor i just want to make it and for me it's till wednesday i just need to make it till wednesday we're going to get on a plane and I'm going home for my mum to make Christmas for me. Oh, well done, same- what's, your, what's your mum's name? We should give her a shout out. Judy. Hello, well Judy. Well done, Judy. Respect to Frida. Frida, you are the business. Oh, so. thank you, Frida. Thank you, mums. <laughs> you know, people aren't thanking us. Our kids will one day. But, yeah, mm. no tree, no decorations. I'm just telling everyone, don't mess up the house and stop wearing clothes because I'm not doing it. <laughs> and eat everything in the fridge. That's yeah. But I am one of those annoying people that has the carols going from December 1. Oh, okay. I've I, had Maria Carey going a little bit, I will admit it. I do well, like a bit of Maria Carey at Christmas. It's Mariah. Is it Mariah? Yeah. Is it? Oh, can we edit that bit out? <laughs> leave it in. She's Maria to me. When we met, when we chat, she's like, you can call me Maria. <laughs> I'm embarrassed now. Well, Let's move on and answer some questions. Do we yeah. have questions? Yeah, but I thought we could talk about first about how we kind of tackle Christmas. Um, mm-hmm. Assuming we're not travelling with our families, how do you organise downtime? Do you do strategy? Do you work straight through? Well, I think it's a little bit different now because now I've got kind of more of a business empire. So I have a team um, who will be working 
right up until the end of next week and they'll be starting back before I do as well. So that's great. So they handle nice. all the admin to all the shop sales, all the people joining the membership, all the all that kind of loggy and outy stuff and all that kind of stuff. Um, but when I was a full-time copywriter with no team, um, I would start telling my clients in around start of December about mm-hmm. the time I was taking off. My retainer clients I would have spoken to. I would have I, I was pretty organized. And I also did a lot of work around prepping for January because I didn't want to come back and have that slow build up to work. I wanted mm-hmm. to hit the ground running. So I sent a lot of emails out in December saying, hey, I'm planning January. And would you like me to leave a little gap to work on anything for you? I was thinking we could do that long awaited autoresponder series that you've always fancied doing or blah, blah, blah. Or would mm-hmm. you like to book in a little 15 minute chat in the second week of January? We can map out what we're going to do. So that I came back nice. to stuff on the table, stuff to get started with. I love that. And so if people are finding that they're a bit worried because there's no work happening and everything's gone a bit dead, October, September, October is when you need to start thinking ahead about this because Mm. there's also lots of clients who go, oh, crap, I want to get all this done before I go on holidays. Mm. So there's often, if you can tap into it, they can be a really busy period for you just before everyone else shuts up shop. And if it's not busy then start booking in people for January as exactly as you said. I've got some free time in my calendar, just a little bit. Do you want to grab it? Yeah. yeah Which is really exactly. smart. What I used to do and what I would still do um, if I wasn't travelling is I love this. I used to book in two weeks for holiday and then one week for strategy. Okay. So I'd, I'd hit Christmas going, I need some time off and I'd have two weeks where I didn't look at anything and then I'd give myself one week where my email responder is still on and clients didn't expect me back and that's when I'd be like, all right, what am I doing? You know, what am I plan and stuff like that. So, and well, that, I, don't, I don't do strategy or have plans so I think I spent that next week, I don't know, I don't know I did. Holiday. Yeah, I probably had another week's holiday. No, I, and I, I think I, I really struggled to take time off over Christmas. I still do now. I'm, I'm somebody who still sort of checks in every now and again because I would hate to come, you know, some people are like, I just switch everything off and delete all my apps and I don't look at anything for two weeks. Oh, God. I, no. That would actually make me more anxious to do that than it would to just, you know, go into my office for a little hour and just check. And also, let's be honest, Christmas can be quite full on with family. And are you saying, look, I have to go and do a little hour in my office of just checking? You don't have to do that hour. You can sit in your office like Belinda right now and drink gin and tonics. But it's a great excuse to get away from the family. I'm joking. But, you know, I'd rather keep on top of my emails and, and stuff rather than coming back to like 700 emails. And I, I fully approve the idea of a digital detox. I, mm-hmm. I think I just, I can't do it because as you said, I get a bit more anxious about the hundred emails that are just banking up each mm-hmm. day or whatever. And for mm-hmm. you, it must be 7 million emails. Oh, the um, notifications. I, the other day I turned off my computer for a whole day, my apps and everything. So that's 24 hours. Guess how many notifications I had on Facebook when I came back. Just guess. I'm going to say a thousand. No, no, you went too high, man. Oh, no, 200. It was 648. That is ridiculous, Kate. Isn't that ridiculous? I know. 648. See, that would make me anxious. And it would. I'd also think, well, I got 24 hours off, but I'm going to have to spend three days waiting through all the admin. 
Uh, very selective, but it does make me think, stop posting stuff on social media. I'm like, why do I keep getting more? And it's like, because you keep posting stuff. Yeah, that's right. There's a direct relationship between the two things, Kate. Work it out. It's only, yeah. uh, you've only been doing it for 10 years. Work it out. Work it so. out. Yeah, I've actually, um, I've had uh, quite a few students who go, oh, I'm going to jump into the copywriting masterclass and I'm going to catch up over Christmas. Um, and I'm like, oh, well, I'm on holidays, actually. Yeah. <laughs> you, well. you enjoy that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but what I've actually said is that little um, little bit of work to do every now and then to, to go through the worksheets that are being done and review them is perfect for me because I can yeah. go, oh, I'm really sorry I don't have to spend the seventh day straight with everyone. I'm just going to pop into the office and drink some gin and do some. <laughs> Gosh, that's lovely. Sounds so awesome. That, that works for me, but I think you know whatever you're doing, whether you're using it to push through, whether you're using it to work on your business, make some time for yourself as well because you've got a whole nother year. Yes, yeah. I know a few people who take holidays in January. Actually, they push through December. My VA does that. She pushes through mm. December, gets everyone else through December, and then she takes a holiday in January, which is kind of well. Nice. In Australia as well, it's it's school holidays, so I find that um, it's you know, and it's the big school holiday, yes. the long one. So often people really don't come back to their business fully until the end of January uh, after Australia Day uh, here in Australia, and so the beginning of February is when people seem to sort of ramp up again. Yeah, and it's a lot, lot of businesses, agencies, lots of things that yeah, pretty like low start in January so it can be a really quiet time which can be weird because I've got the kind of British mentality of January being the start of the year and you know it's winter and it's miserable so you kind of focus on your business and blah blah blah. but here everyone's at the beach so it's kind of a bit of a head mess it's funny yeah well let's um let's tackle in the comments if you're watching on Facebook if you're watching um this live let us know what you're doing and we'll give you a shout out but let's tackle some questions for now because we have got some good ones the first one I'll read out Kate is from Paul Murphy who is a new member of my confident copywriting and it's a good one about social media actually because he says he gets asked a lot do you do social media and He's, he's saying, I understand copywriters can provide a content strategy and schedule for social media, but how far do we take the management of social media? What do you think? Okay. Do you want me to go first? Okay. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it's as with anything with copywriting, you can focus on just the words or you can do some kind of implementation as well. And also in terms of the words, you can focus on just literally writing what you've been given or you can do some of the preamble. So kind of preamble jobs to me are things like keyword research, wireframing, tone of voice documents, all that kind of stuff that prepares you to do the words. Then there's the words, the writing of the copy, whether it be social media updates or websites. Then there's the aftermath and the aftermath could be putting the copy into wireframes helping to build the website or managing the social media via Hootsuite or one of those kind of scheduling softwares you know creating graphics for it as well so I think you have a choice it's entirely up to you how much of that end-to-end journey you want to have and I guess if there are members of my community one lady in my community called Melissa and um, she does the whole hog so she does social media she writes the posts she makes the graphics in canvas she schedules things through Hootsuite she pulls down results you know so she, and she, she's lucky because a lot of the copywriters in, in my community don't want to do that bit. So whenever a job comes in where someone does want that end-to-end, she manages to pick it up. So she's kind of, pick it up, sorry, she's niched not on industry um, or particular client. She's niched on, on a particular type of service because yeah. honestly, 
you know, you could write someone 30 days of social media updates, but most of them maybe won't have an idea of, you know, what tool to schedule those onto Instagram and how they should make graphics. And, you know, and so almost you're kind of giving them, giving them a problem when you hand them the copy deck because they're like, great, well, now I have to find someone to actually make all this happen. Yeah. Um, and in reality, scheduling, say, 30 days of social media content across Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, it's maybe two or three hours work when you're going to used to the platform like Hootsuite or Buffer or Meet Edgar, but it doesn't take a huge amount of time. So I think it can be a really valuable service to add if you're a social media junkie, if you really enjoy it. Yeah, I would also hark back to the Kate Christie interview we just did, which is coming out, and that's where she said, is this the most profitable use of your time? For me, I could never make social media stuff profitable for me or affordable for my clients because at the rate I was charging when I was starting to get those inquiries and the time it took me to write, it still wasn't as affordable as like a virtual assistant or someone else to do it. It's kind of getting a specialist in to do a job for really short social media posts. So I, it was something that I passed on quite quickly. And as you said, Kate, you know, you write the, you write the copy, but there's a whole process of things that need to be done. So I was always kind of leaving people in the lurch a bit. Yeah, I mean, I think it's how much value your client sees in social media because I think crafting really well-written social media posts is a true art that people will pay top dollar for. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? So the implementation of them, I get you, but, I, you know, I, I think people would happily pay $150, $200 an hour, whatever it is, to have brilliant, engaging social media because I think people understand how important having a post that maybe goes viral or gets oodles of comments can be for your brand so I think you can justify the cost of the writing but I very much agree that the implementation may be a good way to do that because if you're charging $100 $150 or whatever for your copywriting yeah I can't be a fool to be paying you to then take that from an Excel spreadsheet and click it and copy and paste and copy and paste crazy so a great thing to do might be to have a relationship with a VA and say, this is someone I work with, they'll do that part of it. And then either you package the whole thing, so you get your copy and the implementation for this much, and you subcontract out the implementation stuff, Mm -hmm. or you simply just pass that on. And if you want to, maybe take a referral fee or something like that. So, yeah, different ways of handling it, I think. See, I think an avenue that copywriters could look into that would be more profitable is writing Facebook ads. Mm. I feel like that is could be more of the craft for me. Uh, yeah, I, I, well, I'm going to disagree with you because, I mean, I've never, I've never done Facebook ads and I've built my entire business and brands um, and sell, you know, those, sell out those big courses every year with no ads. And so that other skill from me comes from writing really great organic content that just goes into groups, onto my Facebook page. That's, I think there's a real art to that. But, I mean, you and I, and I, it's just how you put that to the client and the client sees that you can do that. So I think it's, it's as with everything, the thing that we've always said that we struggle to make profitable as well was blog posts. Yet every copywriter in the world thinks, oh, I'm going to make a fortune. I'm going to write loads and loads of blog posts, but they're two a penny. And when you can get them for $40 or fiver, it's really hard to justify why your blog post is really worth it. So it's always going to be that discussion point of, of, the client may be thinking, oh, it's just a couple of Facebook posts. And you're going, yeah. yes, but the return on investment you could get from this without spending a cent on advertising could be huge. So as long as you can have that conversation, I think you can make any kind of copywriting profitable. 
Yeah, that's right. And what you could do if you're writing social posts for your client is um, approach it like an email sequence where there's some strategy involved. You can say, yeah. right, well, I'm not just going to talk about your dog or your latest product. Let's plan out like a nurturing sequence oh, yeah, or a conversion yeah. sequence. And then you can add on strategy time and costs. Yeah. And I think if, if anyone's ever seen the content that I put out there for the recipe for SEO success, you know, it's not random posts about my dog. It's a really considered approach to the different pain points that each different type of customer has, the proof points that I need to show the type of people who take the course. I need to show the results that they get. Um, I need to break down how the course is, is structured. And so that's that's not just random posts that cut pop into my brain. That's a complete strategy of like, what messages do I need to put out over the months before I start selling that are going to warm people from really cold leads, people who've never heard of me, all the way up to boiling hot want to buy. So it yeah. is, it is a, it's, it's a completely, you're totally right. It's a sales conversion process. It's just not using ads. It's yeah, using that's right. organic content. So yeah. We're getting really deep into this. as well. We're getting very serious. Let's oh, move no. on to the next question. What's all right. <laughs> you want to take this one? Yeah, so Elizabeth Bond, um, and she said, if you are planning copywriting and scheduling social for a client, how do you manage images and branding? So a similar similar question. And so again, I think it's one of those things. With, with tools like Canva these days, it's pretty easy to knock up some fairly good-looking content, branded content. You can, Especially if you have business Canva, you can load in all your color palette, all your logos, all your fonts, and you can create simple graphics very easily with a tool like that. Um, but I guess it depends what kind of brand you're working with. Little small business, you know, maybe some kind of beauty parlor in your local town. They're going to be pretty happy with some Canva graphics that you've made. Bigger brand, they're going to have design guidelines. They're not going to want you knocking up graphics. But one mm. little halfway point between the two, which is something that I did, is I got a designer to come up with my brands, come up with all my different fonts, and then create me templates in Canva. So the designer did them. And then all I need to do is replicate those templates, edit yeah. them, and they're good to go. Yeah. Um, but again, it depends on the client. And again, it's that thing. Do you enjoy doing that? Because, you know, is it the best use of your time? Are you really quick at making Canva graphics? Great, do it. If it's taking you half an hour to make one little meme graphic, it's not a good use of your time. And you're supposed yeah. to be a copywriter. You know, and this not is what we're talking about here is we're talking about you becoming a social media manager. Yes, exactly. And if you want to do that, then go all in. But if, if you don't enjoy it, ask yourself, is this the best use of my time? Yeah. Yeah. This pass. is where I, I want to be going. Pass on jobs. Yeah. You have to pass. And, you know, or, and also this is the real benefit and something that I hope all of you think about in 2019 is building up a little, I call mine my Tooniverse, my little Tooniverse of people that I recommend. And that includes a graphic designer, social media marketing manager, web developer, an accountant, a bookkeeper, a virtual assistant, all these people that you know, that you trust, that you maybe worked with, that you can then have as referral partner. So you never have to say no to a client. You're yeah. always saying, maybe not me, but how about this person? Yeah. And you can either do that for back scratches and good karma or later down the track if you find you're referring a lot of work out but not getting many referrals back. Take a referral fee. Get that little bit of passive income. That person will be grateful. The client will be grateful that they got recommended someone good and that they don't have to then go back to the interwebs and try and find another person. Mm. And the person you're referring to did no marketing no effort to find that client. So they're going to be more than happy to slip you five, 10, whatever percent as a yep. thank you for giving them a great job. So something to think about. You Absolutely. don't have to say no. You can just say, not me. 
yeah. her or him. Yeah. Kath Fowler on Facebook says social media can act a bit like a gateway drug for a client, gives them the confidence in you to then invest in more blogs and copy. Yes, I love that. And yeah, and you know, maybe you start off the first month with a few low value posts and you sort of low low value cost job, but as you said, you know, it leads so well into things like blog posts, web copy, boom. Yeah. Well said, Kath Fowler. Well said. So the next one I've got is from um, Liz Green. And Liz asks, what's the best approach when you've got your deposit, you've completed the project brief with your client, and then it becomes clear that they have no clue about their brand and their tone of voice. They just want it to sound like them. And I'm using air quotes here. So for me, I'm going to jump in here. My advice is to coach them through it. Part of the process sometimes of getting a brief is coaching them through the answers. And, you know, like if they don't know their brand words, many small businesses don't, but you can ask them about their values. Maybe um, prompter questions I use are things like, what do you want customers to feel when they interact with your business? Or what do you want customers to think of the company and tell other people? What kind of words do you want them to use? And this can help you get the brand words. And and for me, if, if a client wants the copy to sound like them, I listen, I listen, I re- take, I transcribe the brief or I record it and I use their phrases and words in the copy. Perfect. You, you, you've given that, yeah, you've given that tip before and I think it, it's such a good one to record it and then to feed it back to them. And they're like, my goodness, you really captured me. And it's like, yes, I did. Um, your I, I mean, honestly, I, I would say that that situation that Liz is describing is, nine times out of 10, that's Mm -hmm. the situation because most people who come to a copywriter have never worked with a copywriter. They don't know if they knew how to express their brand eloquently and perfectly, they wouldn't need you in the first place. So it's our job as copywriters to pull that out. Yes, we get a project brief, which says, this is my demographic and I want four pages. And I think my tone of voice is professional and authoritative and knowledgeable. It's always the same three. And it's like, yeah, that's great. That gives us enough to pull together a quote and get our deposit. But that is not the brief. That is in no way the brief. There's a whole big conversation now, exactly as Belinda said. We we get that little, maybe a quick chat to get that, that project scope together, get the proposal done, but then the work begins. I mean, that's what it's about. If you can sell in a tone of voice uh, exercise, so as I said, you know, the preamble jobs we talked about at the beginning. So in the Clever Copywriting School, I created this, um, one of my best pieces of work, a tone of voice template, which takes the client through what their brand values are, what their um, tone of voice is, but also how to so say you want to sound knowledgeable, what kind of set phrases and sentence structure and verbs and punctuation do you use to sound knowledgeable? What kind of things do you say? What do you not say? If you can get them to buy into that either as, a, as an upsell or just to make your job easier, I think that's really, really useful. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that's, I, I think the idea, I, think, I love your tips there. Another thing I do is I say to the client, which other brands do you like the sound of? They don't have to be anything to do with you. Like, you know, and people will go, oh, I love Ben and Jerry's ice cream. I love the way they do their stuff. And then you go, what is it you like about them? Is it the humor? Is it, the, and that helps you pull out ideas as well. Another yeah. one, we've talked about this before, you know, who would play your brand in a movie? You know, mm-hmm. if, if you were to date your brand, what, what kind of characteristics would it have? Just silly, be a bit more playful. And that will help draw out those points for you. And then the most important thing is Belinda said is to reflect it back to them, get them to agree to it before you start writing. And even then I would probably just write a little sample like maybe the homepage copy, 
getting yeah. to really sign that off before I did oodles and oodles of pages. Yeah. yeah. And when you use um, client phrasings in the copy, it can be extremely powerful or they can hate it. Sometimes <laughs> clients will go, well, you're just using my words. What have you done here? What <laughs> you're cheating. I wrote that. Yeah, but then you have to explain. This is why I would just kind of fluff my client gently and say, well, <laughs> you explained it so well that it was a gold line in the copy. This is oh, This is why she gets the big, big bucks, people, because she's a snoozer. <laughs> hey, look, we've had some great little questions come in over the um, – because uh, I'm doing a, what's called a watch party in the Clever Copywriting community. So oh, nice. a couple of people have responded there. So we've got one um, from Rashida, um, who's a member of my Clever Copywriting School, and she says, how many times do you attempt to write copy for a client who's unhappy before you throw in the towel and refer them to someone else? Oh. Do you want to take that first? Oh, God. You know, <laughs> I think... Good, no. no <laughs> I think... The key is the brief. It's always the brief, the better brief. But say you nailed the brief and you've got a really, really awesome brief and you hand over that copy and they don't like it. We've got a whole episode on tackling difficult revisions where you can go back to the brief and make sure everything's okay. You can step through the copy line by line because sometimes you'll find that it's actually just one word or one mm. sentence in the 500 words you've written on that page they don't like. So there's lots of ways you can get around it so that you don't have to write it time and time again. For me, you know, if I'm approaching, if if I get to the third draft and I feel like we're still in the revision process that we should be on the first draft, then big warning bells are going to be flying. Usually I might say we're going to work through one more draft and then I'm starting to look at how we can wrap the project up as quickly as possible. Yeah, interesting. I mean, I think with me, I think it goes a lot on gut. So mm. I think we often know when we've done a good or a bad job, yeah? And I think often we know that we haven't done our best work. So the first thing I do when I get that email back is exactly what Belinda says. Let's find out the scope of the changes that they want because often clients will go, but I hate all of it, it's terrible. And you literally feel like someone stood on your chest and they come back and go, I just hate this line. And you're like, oh my God, that's oh, easy to gosh, change. What yeah. So first of all, scope, find out the scope. That's step number one. Step number two is guts. Do you feel that they are right or wrong? Yeah, like do you genuinely, are you just taking this personally? If they've got a point, you need to suck it up and keep on going. If they mm -hmm. haven't got a point and they've actually changed the brief, then you need to be brave enough to have a you've changed the brief conversation and I'm happy to keep going, but we need to acknowledge that because I'm going to have to start not from the beginning, but from a few hours back, and you're going to have to cover that cost. Mm -hmm. If you're happy to cover that cost, I'm therefore happy to write it. If you're not happy to cover that cost, bye. Okay, so scope, client gut, client brief, and then the fourth thing I would say is, you know, sometimes you just can't. You know, we are creative creatures. We are not pumping out pizzas in a pizza parlor. Sometimes you lose the passion for the project. And yeah, you know, often we have to push on through that because we need to earn our money to pay our mortgages. But sometimes you just can't. And you are waking up every day, hating life, hating oh God, the copy, yes. hating the client. Then I just think, you know, it's time to just go, you know what? I'm not the right person. I am going to lose some money on this job. It swings and roundabouts. I will make it up on the next job. But I need to let this client go so they can find their copywriter penguin. I am not their penguin. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, it's those things for me. Um, but I think the thing that happens too often and too quickly is people get too upset 
too emotional. They don't check in with the client to find out the scope of the work. They take it very personally when it's not, they're not criticizing you. They're criticizing some words you wrote in word, you know, word perfect. Yeah. I think people get too emotional. They waste like a whole day of going, oh, I'm a terrible writer. I'm like, I hate them. No, I don't. And it's just like, just be professional. Look at the scope. Really think about it rationally. If you really can't bear to look at it again, let them go free. And sometimes oh, yes. it's good to make that decision earlier rather than later. It really and is. complicated because you think, oh, I'm giving up too soon. I need to be able to take this on the chin. But, yes. Um, and then another thing is don't blame the client straight away. We feel hurt and angry, but, you know, I heard something really good recently. It's not a bad client. It's a bad process. Mm, and sometimes true. we have to sometimes that's not true but you know it's not necessarily their fault um so there's that complicated roundabout of going I need to be able to push through this or my gut's telling me I need out and and sometimes mm. you need to make the call so there's no set number of times no I just think as much as possible take the emotion out of it as much yeah. as possible and you know sometimes there's no bad clients sometimes there's bad copywriters like honestly sometimes you need to hold a mirror up and go was this my best work and it's really good to have like a copy buddy who's honest enough to read through it and go you know what I don't think it was that great either you know and that's hard but that's how we become better writers and yes. another great tip there is to definitely have Someone in your copywriting life, whether it's a proofreader or an editor or a buddy, who will read your copy for you and who will call you out so that maybe you catch some of these things before the client even gets them. But yeah, yeah for me, I think that the big message is it, is it should don't get so emotional over it because it's not really about you, you know, yeah. maybe. We've got more questions coming in. Yeah. So the next one, do you want to take the next one from, from Jennifer? Jennifer Seven, how do you stop yourself from getting mired in the rabbit hole of keyword research, uh, ROIs, et cetera, et cetera? I know keyword research is important, but I wonder whether some people think it's a bit of a miracle cure. Um, I agree. Um, keyword research can be one of those value-added services, but like everything we do, you need to put a time cap on it. And if you're, for me, if you're charging for keyword research, then you need to present the results. One thing I always found a bit tricky was presenting, I would always present my keyword research in a report. So it looked like a valuable presentation of their money spent, but more often than not, they were fairly obvious phrases because that's what everyone else is searching on. So you need to um, explain to clients that it's just one small part in the process. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a hugely crucial part of SEO copywriting. I think you need to... You know, you need to understand SEO copywriting truly and SEO in general. And you need to understand, you need to be able to explain to your client that how actually small a part copywriting plays in the overall SEO picture. You know, that's why on the big course that I teach, you know, it's two weeks of the course of a seven, eight week course because SEO copywriting and good keyword research will not save a bad site. So I think you need to explain that to the client that you can research the best keywords in the world and optimize the ass off your page, but it still works rank unless they fix x y and z mm -hmm. then you need to explain that there's no such thing as a golden keyword mm -hmm. so that they aren't thinking that they're going to find this miraculous keyword that's going to drive all this traffic and conversion and then it simply is a case of listing out those keywords listing out the traffic the competition getting rid of the duplicates grouping them together you know the whole topic uh, content grouping approach that we take with keyword research these days mm -hmm. and then picking the best shot out of that group having a focused keyword and then backing it up with those synonyms and those secondary phrases. And the thing is, 
anything will take as long as you give it. What's it called? Something's law. I can't remember the law, but it's someone's law. No matter the time that you give a project is exactly how long it will take. So, you know, you need to be realistic. If you've got 10 pages that you're writing copy for, you know, you're researching essentially 10 focus keywords with synonyms. You know, how long does that take? Well, it depends how complex their niche is, you know, but really you give it a punt. You say it's going to take me two or three hours. And then whatever you manage to achieve in that two or three hours is what they get. You know, yeah. it's as simple as that. You have to put boundaries on yourself. But that's why a lot of people don't offer keyword research. Yes. Because it isn't black and white. It does take, almost you have to take a step back from the keywords because you, otherwise you will end up with the obvious ones. It's all about those niche keywords and they are hard to find. Uh, so yeah, I think you know, unless you've done some kind of SEO training, you really have dug deep into advanced keyword research techniques and, and you know, it's maybe not something you should offer because you will be held accountable for it. You yes. know, if you're going to provide that kind of stuff that, you know, it's like conversion copywriting, we talk about that a lot. If you want to offer that, then you have to be able to offer the results that go along with it. So, you know, you need to be confident in that. Does that sound brutal? No, it's absolutely true. And that's why I stopped offering it as a value-added service and I started outsourcing it. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I am an SEO copywriter and I even have a course on it and I still would not offer that as a service because it's not something I enjoy doing. And it's going to be the tagline for the show. It's not the best use of my time. (laughs) Okay. We have another one. Yes. Yeah, this is perfect for you because you're all about the brief, baby. Um, (laughs) How do you deal with clients who don't like filling out the brief and tend to avoid phone calls and just expect you to work independently and deliver copy they like? Let me follow this up, yeah? They won't won't give you any information. They won't fill in the brief. And then they say, no, just go and write it. Just go and write it. And then when you send it through, they go, I don't like it. I don't like it. And you're like, well, it didn't give me any what do you do, Belinda? <laughs> um, I get rid of them well before then. <laughs> That's because I learned over the years I've been a copywriter that if a client cannot make time for the brief, then they will not make time for revisions mm-hmm. and they probably won't make time to pay your invoice as well. So, yes, yes, <laughs> so yes, <laughs> I have refunded deposits or as we like to call them, commencement invoices first payments that's right first payments I have refunded that and said I'm very sorry but this is the information that I need in order to write the copy if you haven't got time for that then I'm happy to give you your commencement invoice back your first payment back if you'd like to start again when you're ready I'm more than happy to be that copywriter yeah Yeah. it's about being strong it's like like, this is how I work. This is what I need to do the jobs. You wouldn't ask a bricklayer to lay some bricks without giving them some bloody bricks, would you? You need the raw materials to do the work. And if they won't give it to you, honestly, as Belinda said, it's going to be like pulling teeth the whole way through, getting amends off them. Imagine that. It's just going to be awful. So I think you have to stick to your guns. Yeah, and you know, I have a page on my site called How I Work, uh, which details my process. Uh, In my first email that I send out before I even send a proposal, it's like this is how I do it. I do this. I do this. This is what's expected of you. Um, In my proposal, it says this is how I work. It says things like I use track changes. Uh, I use Basecamp to manage my projects, and these are part of how I work. And if you don't want to do that. I'm not the copywriter for you Mm -hmm. because yes, the client is always right, but to a degree, not often really, Uh, but you have a way of doing things and it's the way that all copywriters do things. So just because the client, 
doesn't want to do it. They can't throw their pra- toys out the pram and go, I don't want to. It's like, well, then you don't get to work with me. I'm terribly sorry. You yeah, know? that's all right. Some other copywriter can have the sweet, sweet joy of working with that client. And, so, you know, I've always, I will always try and get them on the phone, but Rashida's question was specifically about how yeah. you cannot get them on the phone. Yes. So I would never, I have pretty low expectations of a client filling out a brief in writing. Yeah, me too. Hiring me because they cannot do have clarity yeah. in their writing. I always try and get them on the phone, but if I can't get them on the phone and they're always too busy for the brief, then we're not right for each other. Yeah, exactly. I mean, look, that, I think that briefing template, Belinda has one that she has with her membership and I have one in the shop. It's, 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 a, it's a starting volley. It's mm. not the whole thing. And most of the ones I've got back from clients have been pretty bad, you know, because they don't know what to write. Some, some write way too much in it and it's like, oh, my God, this leads us beautifully to the next question. Do you want to ask this one? Yes. Yeah. Rashida is on fire. She is. She's so awesome. Needy clients, how do you spot them? And we have an episode on types of clients and this is one of them. But Well, yeah, and I can't remember exactly what we said, but my biggest warning is the person that fills in your contact form and you get a seven-page essay about their lives, their cats. Usually there's some kind of health element in there as well. Like there's, there's always been a health problem that's got, I, I sound awful, but the more they write in that box, the more terrified I get. The other ones who are ones who write like one or two word answers. And I've told you this before in the podcast, but yeah. on my side, I have the, what's your favorite type of jam? And you know, the people who say, I don't like jam. They're just like, I know, <laughs> I know they're going to be an idiot. People who write things like, I like not Nutella and I think this should be considered a jam. You know, they're going to become fun people. I know I'm going to enjoy working with that. It's a silly little yes. thing, but things like that, little signposts. So for me, it's the, it's, the, it's the heartfelt stream of consciousness essay is a big sign. What, what about you? Um, well, we're talking specifically about needy clients, not generally. Yeah, I think that's generally. needy. Um, yeah. It's the same idea, but maybe on the phone yeah. or in the first email or so. So it's just that when you're talking, it's a lot, it's just a lot of words coming at you because you know that you're going to get everything and it's going to take time for you to sift out the gold. So yes. I like to get clients talking, but, but not too much. Not too much. Or the ones that are constantly email and constantly calling. So when it's just oh. too much of everything. Yes. You've got and to I think- do think, you know, and that's what she said, the time zone, how long do you give that? Like I would really look at the first week of your relationship with a client. How many times they've emailed you? Have they, God yes. forbid, texted you? Like who texts? Like that's just so wrong. Yes. Have they sent you an email? then called you to tell you they sent you an email. All these things are signs of needy clients. Imagine it's like a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship. If you can imagine them waiting for the phone to ring, waiting for your email to ping, they're too needy. They're going to be like this the whole way through the project. I'm doing a clenched fist for those podcast listeners. So look at that first week. See how well they behave. How many emails have they sent you? How many times have they called you? Remember, you should qualify and quantify the amount of discussion time they get in your proposal mm-hmm. if they've used all that up and you haven't even had your first briefing discussion <laughs> they're probably a little bit needy not difficult necessarily but just needy they want a lot of love mm-hmm. we all want a lot of love I think I'm yeah. a needy client and I'm sometimes really, I'm so needy. the people who want to tell you a lot you've got a lot to work from. So it's not yeah. a, necessarily a bad thing but sometimes it's just a little more time consuming you've got to get faster at sifting out yeah 
And sometimes we're in, it depends on your mood as well. Like I wouldn't say like a client that's kind of needy and is telling me a lot of, you know, maybe emotional stuff or extra. I would necessarily say I don't want to work with you because mm-hmm. maybe I'm in the mood to nurture a client. Maybe I'm in need to mood to help them and coach them as well. Like you don't want every single job to just be emotionless, passionless job. Yeah. So, you know, see how you go. And some of my best clients started out like that. And then, it, you know, again, it's Belinda and I's mantra, but it's how you treat clients, the boundaries you set, the processes you give them. You can bring a needy client into line. You can bring a bad client and make them good. It's all up to you and how much effort you're willing to put in and how strong you're willing to be, I think. So, you know, there are... There are no bad clients, only bad processes. Let's just mm-hmm. say that again. I think yep. that's the meme for the show. I love that. Yeah. Credit Casey <laughs> Woodcock for that. That's not Thank my you, Casey name. Woodcock. Yeah. We're stealing it and putting our trademark on it. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, awesome. Have we got any more questions for anyone listening? Uh, Rebecca, I can never say her second name, Dupajovic just says she's enjoying hearing about the reaffirmation of processes. And this is it. I know guys that we do talk about similar themes on the show again and again, but you know, there's only so many topics you can talk about with copywriting. And the problem is, is that even though many of you have heard the process line again and again, you're still not doing it. You're still not sticking to your guns and, and, and yeah. mapping out what you're going to do next time the client does this at point B. Um, and, and it's the only way I think you can get to the point where none of these things bother you anymore. Because you just have, well, I've got a template for that. I've got a response to that. I'm sorry, I don't do that. So I don't have to waver over yes and no and give up a day of things. I just don't do that. Sorry, bye. And when you're always marketing, you've got a pipeline of clients. So losing a client or saying goodbye to a client isn't as stressful because you're like, I got this. Yeah, and you've also got your money sorted. So you've got a big account with, you know, hopefully at least a month, hopefully one day, three months. I've never quite managed to get to that. And that becomes your, I'm going to say it, F off money. I think we can say that and not get into explicit on this podcast. It's your F off money to be able to, Belinda's making a note of, edit this out. Um, No, she's not. She's having a bit of gin and tonic. Um, It's your money to say, how badly do I need this client? You know, do I want it so bad? but I'm going to use up some of my F off money yeah. to just pay them back. You know, having a little bit of financial organization, you know, I think we've talked about profit first and stuff on this podcast before. If we haven't, we should, but just getting your money ducks in a row means that these kind of difficult situations and conversations become so much easier because you are not in feast and famine mode all the time. Yeah. You're not on the edge of your seat, terrified about where the next mortgage payment's coming from. Yeah. Absolutely. So (laughs) let's talk about 2019, not necessarily, you know, what's got you excited about 2019? We both talked about how tired we are. But what's... What's, what's that got that little spark in your tummy about 20 oh, I'm excited. I'm excited about lots of things. I'm excited about our book, which we're going to be releasing next year, me and Belinda. Yep. We've, I've said it now, so it's actually happening. Yep. So I'm really excited about that because we've talked about it for a long time, but life has just gotten in the way. We have um, so I'm, much content ready to go, people. We just need yeah. to kind of take the next step. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. I'm um, speaking about SEO copywriting in Holland at YoastCon. and that at the huge. I know. And at the Copywriter Conference in Brooklyn in March. Huge. So, I know. So it's kind of exciting to kind of take my SEO copywriting thing to a global level. Bit of pressure, mm-hmm. of course, but I'm excited about it. And I feel like I have the confidence to do it now. And then 
I'm going to be doing some workshops around Australia about conversion copywriting because I'm quite, I think there's a bit of a gap here in Australia. There's not many people talking about that as much as they are in America. It's such a big thing in America. Yeah. So, um, you know, we've had some great conversion copywriters on the pod and I think it's something that not necessarily for copywriters, but for small business people to really help them get their head around how to write better sales pages and stuff. So, I mean, there's all these new stuff. And I think that's what I'm excited about. The fact that being a freelancer, being a copywriter or whatever we are these days, there's always new adventures you can have, you know, and new clients you can get. What are you excited about? Um, our, our book. Right, of course, yeah. our book. Um, I'm looking forward to trying out a new, a few new things. Like I've just opened my confident copywriting mentoring group. It's just, it's closed now, but I'm excited to be welcoming new people. And it's such a good way to end the year Mm. when new people come in and you, and I can start to help them. So I'm excited about picking up that in the new year. I'm exciting about, excited about working with a new mentor and yeah, which I'm, you know, Every not everyone needs a mentor, but I'm mentoring people. But that doesn't mean I don't want a mentor. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't have one, but I'm sort of feeling maybe at some point I should get one. You can be my mentor. Be okay. my mentor. <laughs> I'll, I'll Are you will you be launching? Will you be launching your copywriting course again next year? A couple of times as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Same. I'm going to launch that again, and I'm going to be opening. I'm actually going to be doing confident copywriting as a big public launch. So I'm going to be. Oh. I'm excited to try a few different new techniques. Gonna yeah. Fancy videos and stuff, but actually, what I'm really excited about is I've registered for the Her Business Hawaii retreat. Oh yes, that looks fun. Yeah, so if nothing else, five days in Hawaii without my family. Gosh, that sounds delicious. Yeah, I'm hoping <laughs> to have a few. I want to. I just. I want to have a holiday this year. It's just a complete lazy family pool holiday. So me and my little clan will be going somewhere like Bali or Thailand and just having oh, ten days of. Not trying to be cultural and see all the things, but literally just being lazy little gits by the pool. That's all. That's what I want to do. So, so it sounds like we've both got a lot going on, doesn't it? Yeah, well, I'll see you in New York. You'll see me in New York, Brooklyn. and then also, of course, I, I should I should mention I've got my own bloody conference, CopyCon, and that will be happening on May the fourth. And the most exciting thing about that, Belinda, is I'm having a custom Le- Star Wars Leia costume made for me. What? And my friend is coming in an inflatable Jabba the Hutt costume so I can be chained to her for the night. Like, it is happening. Like, I haven't finished organising the speakers or the food or the AV, but I have got my costume. (laughs) Oh, so exciting. So exciting. I love you. You're launching stuff. I'm launching stuff. We've got holidays planned. We're travelling. I know. We're lucky. We're lucky, really, aren't we? If we can survive Christmas with our families. Yes, just need to get through the next month, get our energy back, and it will be all. all yeah, going. well, you're going to cold England. I'm going to sunny Australia. So well, yeah, I know, I'll but I maybe need. To, I need. To, I need some chilly England. I think I need to go back to my homeland and oh, yeah. sniff the Yorkshire puddings and listen to Radio Four and all that good stuff. You're so. going to come back sounding very English, and I'm going to come back sounding very really Aussie. Yeah, mate. Um, yeah. Cool. Let's do our shout out at the end, so regular listeners know that this is when we give a review of the show who someone has so generously left for us and this one is a shout out to claire gamble from unhooked comms from the uk now oh, she's she's awesome she's got a podcast by the way really should go and listen to it she's awesome it's called unhooked something or others really good i was her first guest so that's why i feel very proud oh no nice. 
What I'd like to point out is Claire has left us her name and her business as part of the name so we can give her a proper shout out. I know, that's it. But Claire says, this is the first ever podcast I ever listened to and still one of my favorites. Not only great advice for copywriters, but for anyone running their own business. I always recommend this to people in my network looking for podcasts, new podcasts to listen to. Thank you, Claire. So, Merry Christmas, Kate. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Oh, nice. Thank you to you for listening, dear listeners. Thank you to everyone for following along on Facebook. This was kind of fun. Um, If you've got any comments, leave them on the Hot Copy website, hotcopypodcast.com, or on our Facebook page, on our Twitter. We'd love to know what you're doing for Christmas. If you want to escape your family, You know, are you having a break? Are you doing strategy? Are you working through? Let us know on Twitter or on Facebook. So thank you, Kate. Thank you very much. Merry Christmas, everyone. Until next time, happy writing. Thanks for listening right to the end. If you enjoyed this podcast, you might enjoy my two other podcasts, I have one called The Recipe for SEO Success, which is all about SEO tips, advice, and helping you grapple the Google beast. And my other, The Confessions of a Misfit Entrepreneur, which is all about dealing with the stresses of running your own business. You can find both of them on iTunes and Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts.